Section three of Dog Heroes of Many Lands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Myra Parker. Dog Heroes of Many Lands by Sarah Noble Ives. Chapter three. Sarah a dog of the ettrick hills part one cold nipping wind was blowing down through the hills of bodsbeck in the south of scotland straight into the faces of a tired drove of cattle that were plodding over a long descent amid the weird round bare hills that resemble nothing so much as great christmas puddings with stones for plums and here and there a lonely clump of fir trees like sprigs of holly set askew all day the cattle had been travelling with scarce a bare hour for rest and the noonday meal of scanty grass behind them a drover dragged weary feet grumbling at the bitter wind that bit into his bones he was a tall spare angular man with a hard face and a cruel eye not fearing hardship for himself he did not hesitate to inflict it on his cattle and so urged them on with goad and curse if ye were not so slow we'd be at the end of our journey the morrow night ye black imp of satan for what are ye hanging back now i'll give ye something to hang back for his goad came down with a whack on the back of a dog that he led at the end of a bit of rope the dog cringed and drew still farther away shaking his head in a vain attempt to rid himself of the hated confinement a lean hungry-looking dog he was covered with a fleece of long ill-kempt black hair awkward and homely with the lumbering gait of a dog just emerging from puppyhood he had an unquiet brown eye that might have been full of courage and affection had not these been replaced by fear fear of the harsh treatment of his master and fear of the unknown into which he was going if ye were a decent behaving body ye'd be helping me drive the cattle once i get ye home i'll teach ye a thing or two or i'll be knowing the reason the dog cowered behind the drover looking at him out of the tail of his eye with now and then a furtive glance behind him as if he only waited for a chance to slip his noose and be off in a wild dash by the way he had come back to the little lad across the border with whom he had played in his puppy days ye should be out there with bob driving the cattle ye good for nothing instead of pulling back like a coward and breaking the bones of my arm losh i'll get rid of ye if i can find anybody fool enough to pay me more than the two shillings i gave for ye just as the sun dipped behind the hills and its last rays of comfort deserted the weary cattle the drover rounding a black knoll saw in the distance across the moor a gray kirk and a thatched house yonder'll be ettrick kirk and ettrick house and farmer hoag'll be the man to give me a sup of porridge and the cattle'll be having a bit of fodder and a drink at the burn he quickened his pace and the cattle seemed to know that rest lay ahead and plodded a little more willingly bob the drover's dog darted hither and thither keeping his charges in the narrow path doing his duty like a well-trained shepherd but always the black dog hung back sullen and unbeautiful i'd make an end of ye with my stick across your head if we were not so nigh ettrick house 
i've had more than enough of ye ye ill-favoured beast dang ye where you go to now for the black dog suddenly struck by the scent of something more human than the drover who held the leash or something that came down the wind and whispered to his starved stomach of nourishment had now darted ahead and almost pulling the man to the ground in his eagerness in one direction or another his great desire seemed to be to get away from the hated companionship of the ill-natured man smoke was rising from the chimneys of ettrick house a gray old building it was built of windstones and thatched with straw standing by the side of a noisy burn in the byre cattle were lowing and sheep were bleeding as farmer hogue went among them attending to the evening duties of the farm he looked up as the sound of tramping hoofs drew near and as the drover halted he dropped his pail and stool and came out to meet him good evening to you you are over late on the road it's late enough for us to be nigh famished can i get a sup of your good-smelling porridge for myself and a bit of fodder for the cattle we're travelling from dumfries and we have taken but a small rest since sunrise i have money to pay for the fodder you can pay there'll be porridge enough for ourselves and for you and a snack for the dogs you've a good one there with the cattle the one you're holding looks sullen isn't he all right i don't know what's the trouble with him but he i hangs back and he will not go with me nor do anything i have given a good pound for him on the border this was an untruth but farmer hogue did not know that he seemed good-natured enough but he has not taken a liking for me he's a fine breed and i'll sell him to ye for a guinea and two shillings it's worth more than the two shillings to have brought him with me well now come into the house and i'll talk a bit with jamie jamie at his father's call a tall lad came out of the byre he was dressed in brown homespun with his shepherd's plaid thrown over his shoulder but his long curling hair which fell down on his shoulders gave him an unusual appearance although not past the growing age and still lanky he gave promise of being a man of fine proportions his face was round and ruddy and his bright blue eyes were full of gaiety and good humour his glance went immediately to the black dog with a keen look of appraisal jamie said his father since you are soon to be a real shepherd you'll be needing a collie of your own this one's none so bonny but he has the look of a good one if you win his confidence can you spare a guinea and two shillings out of your hoardings jamie thought a minute he would need the dog in a year he would be sixteen and then he would become a real shepherd and a good sheep-dog would be indispensable he took a long look at the black dog walked around him and back for a look in his eyes and then said i'll give you a guinea man and it's plenty for such a poor ragged starved-looking beastie the drover appeared to consider this for a moment in reality he was hugging himself for his canny bargain well be like i'll have to do it but ye're getting the best of a bargain and so passed the black collie into the possession of jamie hogue the drover rested and feasted and next morning passed on with his herd and we are glad to be done with him jamie holding the rope end in one hand seated himself on the stone sill of the byre the black dog still kept the leash taut come hither lad you look like the shira sheriff of selkirk with your brown whiskers down the sides of your face if i call you shira you'll be over proud i'll just have to take you down a bit and call you sira come hither sira the dog 
with tail still between his legs stood hesitating before the unknown the known in the shape of the drover had not been so pleasant as to make his homesick heart leap at the thought of another strange master and yet this one seemed different come hither sarah lad it was a kindly young boyish voice and the ruddy face and the merry eyes were not very fearsome things to look upon slowly the rope slackened the tail lifted and waved its fringy length the timid brown eyes met the laughing blue ones still shrinking a little he came closer with an apologetic wriggle until jamie's hand rested on sarah's head a long look passed between them and in that moment were born in the heart of the lonely friendless collie a love and a confidence that found their echoes in the boy's heart and now that we're friendly come with me in the kitchen and mither will give you a supper to hearten you a bit and a good drink and you can sleep by the hearth till you're rested and then and then sarah lad we'll make a man of you and a braw sheep collie sarah until now had known nothing of sheep herding for his one scant year of life had been spent as the playfellow of a little boy rudely jostled out of his youth on his journey with the cruel drover he turned to jamie hoag with a devotion almost pathetic with great patience the lad taught him the manoeuvres of the shepherd dog and sarah watched with anxiety and eagerness doing his best to understand and trying every way deliberately until he found just what was wanted of him when success crowned his efforts and jamie's approving word or pat told him that he had learned his lesson his delight was boundless his intelligent eyes followed every movement of the older sheep-dog on whose actions he was to model his own he learned the words of command quickly and once having mastered their meaning he never forgot indeed he outstripped the other dog entirely in his eagerness to please this new and altogether delightful master was worth working for and it seemed as if he could not do enough to show his loyalty in a week he could bring in a straying sheep in a month he could round up the flock hither and thither he would dart pushing this one barking here growling there till the sheep obeyed him as one a word from jamie would give him the key to the situation and he would work out the problem for himself he had expedients and seemed to reason things out and if one method failed he would try another always in the end accomplishing his master's desire at the end of a year there was no more valuable or intelligent sheep collie in the whole range of the ettrick hills he could gather his clans on the moor steer them down the steep ravines and across the gullies pick out the proper places for fording a torrent and guide them to the greenest pasturage in the springtime no dog was so clever at herding the young lambs that had been taken away from their mothers and at the washing and shearing he worked with the wit and knowledge of the shepherds themselves and jamie oh he never tired of displaying the prowess of his own collie they were two leal and faithful comrades in the long days on the uplands and many were the conversations they held jamie seated on a stone on the hillside where he could watch the sheep at their feeding and sarah in his moments of leisure sitting in front of jamie with his eye on every move and his ear cocked for the slightest word sometimes the lad on pleasant days would take his violin with him a precious but wheezy instrument for which he had paid five good silver shillings sitting in the soft sunshine he would draw the bow across the strings with a skill marvellous in an untrained untaught youth 
these were moments of ecstasy for sarah who cared nothing for the value or quality of the instrument standing before the young musician he would lift up his voice in a howl that was meant for a song of heavenly rapture it would echo across the valley like the cry of a lost soul the ears of human beings are not attuned to the shades of joy and sorrow in a dog's voice but there was no doubt of the dog's enjoyment of the performance the shepherds herding their own flocks in the lonely hills hearing that howl and the wailing notes of the violin across the uplands would laugh there's jamie hoag with his singing collie did ye ever jamie's mother too was a source of joy and delight to the musically inclined sarah on cold stormy days when the sheep were foddered in the fold he would lie at his master's feet in the butt or kitchen of ettrick house listening to margaret hoag as she went about her work singing she was always singing bits of ballads and scraps of lilting song that made one think of the running brooks in spring the whisper of bending grasses in summer the rustle of falling leaves in autumn or the wind in the fir trees in winter she had a sweet unspoiled voice and the queer scottish cadences and minor notes made jamie's heart ache with a sorrow that had no cause something just seemed to stir away down in the inmost depths of his soul it might have been his own poetic genius that was breaking earth a prophetic whispering of the days when he would be known as the ettrick shepherd and a famous poet mither said jamie one snowy morning as they sat thus she had been spinning a little web of melody above the potato she was peeling and sarah was rapping a soft applause on the floor with his fringy tail mither where do you learn all the sonsy bits of song you sing i have heard you sing more than a hundred well jamie mrs hoag paused with her knife in one hand and a curl of paring falling coquettishly from the nearly denuded potato when i was a bit lassie there was an old minstrel who came to the village and sang to us we do not have them any more more's the pity of it he was ninety years old when i knew him and he taught me the songs ay lad and i know more than you have heard did i ever sing you the song of the lave rock and then would bubble up a little spring of melody that the lark himself would have had trouble to match for quality and sweetness why do you not write them down mither i have not the time jamie with all the work about the house to be tended to and i have to knit more hose for tammas and yourself needing new breeks you must write the words your own self jamie sat silent for a little while then saying come on sarah he mounted to his little chamber in the loft found an old copy-book left from the three months schooling he had once had turned to a blank page and sat down to think rubbing his fingers together to stimulate thought and at the same time to keep out the frostiness of the air i cannot think without a pen he said finally rummaging about on his little shelf he unearthed an old bottle of ink and a quill pen the bottle he fastened with a string into a buttonhole in his waistcoat and once more he settled down silence in the little room jamie's eye was roving among the rafters seeing nothing sarah cocked his head on one side and tried to guess what his master was having all this pother about i canna think with my coat on said jamie finally and despite the chilly air and the fine flakes of snow that were sifting through the cracks off came the coat after that genius began to smoke 
then to glow and finally to burst into flame laboriously fashioning the letters like the italics he had seen in printed books he finally covered the page of the copy-book sarah never losing a motion of the hand that moved so slowly in this new and mysterious performance but sarah never did understand although many a time after that he watched jamie making letters on paper that evening jamie came bashfully up to his mother and handed her a sheet of copy paper she took it and scanned the lines carefully then she looked up at her son with a new light in her blue eyes there were more things on that paper than just words there were the color and rustle and odor of the purple heather the glory of the morning and the throbbing meter of one of her own ballads that is not one of my own songs that you have written out my jamie lad you have made a song yourself and it's a good one man but i'm proud of ye you'll be a poeter one of these days that's not all mither listen a bit he had his wheezy violin in his hand putting it to his shoulder he played and sang the ballad to one of her own tunes and sarah sang it too in his own way and to his own ideals of what good music should be margaret laughed at the comical duet but her eyes were full of tears it was her own laddie singing his first song to his mither at the end she clapped her hands you're a minstrel jamie run down to the cowhouse and sing that for the lassies nothing loath jamie went the maids in the cowhouse were just finishing the evening's work and they greeted jamie and his violin as they had greeted him many times before with great enthusiasm he sang his song that is he and sarah sang their song to great applause and jamie the poeter he became from that night his first thrill of reward came when he heard one of the lassies singing his song over her work it was a far cry to real fame but it was the first whisper and what could be so sweet as that first unconscious turning of his creation on another's tongue there came a day when jamie the poeter blossomed into a real independent shepherd when with the knowledge of herding that he had gathered from his service with the neighbors and with his trusty sirrah for his aid he could go into the world and do the work and earn the wages of a man seventeen years he counted to his credit when he took service with walter laidlaw at black house and the mantle of responsibility fell upon him happy days were they that followed laidlaw was a good master and a distant relative of his mother and there was another youth of jamie's own age at black house willie laidlaw together they read books and recited poetry while they herded the sheep through the summer days together they drove them into the fold at night together through the long winter evenings they sat in the inglenook and dreamed of future glory together they talked of the brownie who haunted the farm at bodsbeck of the fairies that danced in the moonlight nights on the meadow of carterhow of the little maid that was stolen by the fairies and was one day to become famous as kilmany and to help make jamie's lasting fame and always the dog was their companion sharing their duties and doing his best with his eager eyes upon them to understand their talk who shall say at what point his understanding failed him certain it is that he loved the sound of their voices and that he was happy to overflowing in the companionship of his beloved master on the evening of their first arrival at the laidlaws the family according to custom was called to prayers 
the great bible was taken down and opened solemnly and walter laidlaw read a chapter and made a prayer for divine guidance which was followed by a rousing amen up to this point there was no better behaving dog than sarah he had heard the bible read before now the family rose to sing a psalm at the first note sarah lifted his bowed head and stood with the others then warming to the work in hand he sent forth a howl so mournful that no one could have guessed it was a song of praise but sarah knew and his booming baritone drowned every voice in the room this was where he could shine and jamie had always encouraged him in his vocal practice what was his surprise then when he heard jamie in a shocked whisper saying down sarah down lad hold your gab this must be some mistake he could not have heard it sarah howled the louder his tuneful soul all a-throb to the mighty measure of the heavens declare the glory of god and the firmament showeth his handiwork to what better words could a pious dog express his ecstasy than day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge the psalm suddenly stopped dark looks fell upon sirrah from his master and the master of the house the lads and lassies in the back of the room restrained their giggles with difficulty jamie's fingers seized his collar and he was hailed ignominiously from the room to the outer darkness he went hunted forth like a criminal looking backward from the peat stack at the paradise from which he had fallen he heard the psalm begin again and the ruling passion was too strong for him standing there he burst forth once more into song and now jamie came out of paradise and hustled the psalm singer into the byre and closed the door unpardonable cruelty but sirrah never gave up the struggle music was his passion even on the nights when jamie too tired from the day's hard work had gone to bed in the byre loft before prayers sirrah who slept below would lay his nose to the crack of the door and at the first note of the psalm he would declare the glory of god in his own way and to his own meter jamie said walter laidlaw one morning will you go over to mr tweedy's and bring back with you that wild ewe that i have bought of him you'll need sarah to help you for the wild ones are not so easy to manage and where will mr tweedy be mr laidlaw said jamie you'll find his house at stanhope in tweeddale it's a fine journey in the hills but it's long and the track's not so easy you'll have fifteen miles to go i do not know if you'll get the ewe safe home but you can try and sirrah's a canny dog sirrah's the lad as'll turn the trick mr laidlaw we'll be back with the ewe in two days well you can try there's not another dog i trust to it and you're the shepherd as gets it out of him early in the morning they started sirrah leaping at the heels of his beloved jamie and eagerly looking for the sheep that he might be supposed to herd nothing for you to-day sirrah we've but to junk it and find our way to tweeddale but it's a track we've never travelled and a long one the finding of it's one thing and the doing of it's another but it's a bonny morning and we'll frighten up the fairies by the burn side off with ye now do ye not see that old brownie peeping at ye over that stone get him and fetch him to me i have never seen a brownie myself mind ye hold him away darted sarah but the brownie if there was one was too quick for him and he came back shamefaced and dropped behind jamie until the next object of interest took him afield 
it was indeed a bonny morning st mary's lock lay so peacefully that there was scarce a dimple on the water and the early sun was mirrored there in its round red splendor the dew sparkled jewel-like on grass blade flower and weed it dripped from the bushes with a silvery sound the yarrow flowed merrily down its rocky way and far away where it joined ettrick stream to form the tweed lay the meadow of carterhaugh veiled with a rainbow mist that seemed made of sprites that one after another unfurled their wings and sped in rosy cloudlets into the blue it was a morning in a thousand now the way became wilder and they plunged through deep ravines and rocky gullies across mad little torrents rushing like truants from school down down the easiest way to the plain now they climbed a round bare hill now they crossed an upland purple with patches of heather here they rested by a noisy burn to eat their midday snack and cool their throats with the clear water now they tramped on through the gowans and heather across a moorland and again they rounded a rocky cliff where a false step would have sent them rolling into a black tarn that lay mysterious and sinister in a pocket of the hills but the rock roses smiled at them and the scarlet pimpernel wooed jamie the poeter with his bright splotches of color and the whole world was such a poem as no man may ever put to paper in the afternoon they came to tweeddale and finally they could see stanhope mr tweedy's home and it was not long before they were resting on the door-stone and jamie and mr tweedy were talking of the business in hand i have brought the ewe up from the flock but she's as wild as a roe i misdoubt if you can handle her have you a collie as is canny with the sheep none better in all the hills he'll keep her to the track no fear lad said mr tweedy do you really suppose you'll drive that ewe home all the way with all the sheep in the country betwixt you and the end of your journey i'll just try it mr tweedy then let me tell you you may as well try to travel to yon sun you should have two dogs for the task you do not know sarah mr tweedy mr laidlaw wasn't frightened to have me fetch her well it's at his own risk end of section three recording by myra parker